but we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And before we do that, uh, we want to give you a chance to search your heart. And this time of preparation, you do not have to be a church member at Lighthouse Baptist Church in order to participate with us in the Lord's Supper. But you do need to be a Bible believer who has accepted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as covering for your sin. You have to have Christ as your Savior. If you're not a Christian, then you should not participate. Uh, if you have not followed the Lord and believer's baptism, you should not participate. And that's not sprinkling or pouring or dipping or uh, any of that other nonsense that is not baptism at all. What, well, what is pouring then? It's pouring. What is sprinkling? It's sprinkling. What is baptism? It's baptism. Uh, there is a distinct, a distinct difference. And just because man has tried to substitute something for what God has instituted doesn't mean uh, that you should or I should. And so, in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to search your heart. And uh, we're going to dim the lights. I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight. And uh, we're, I want this to be a meaningful time uh, to you, time when we stop, when the world is still going bonkers, crazy, in, at an insane pace, trying to buy gifts for people they don't like. Uh, that we should remember that the reason for this season is to honor that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. I'll let Mr. Frank be dismissed with his children's children's Bible time. Mr. Frank, as you go, I'll let you dim the house light if you do that for me. And this is a time of heart preparation. If you plan on participating, well, even if you don't plan on to participating in the Lord's Supper, uh, that you should take a moment and search your heart. All of them. Yep, that'll be good. Search your heart. It's time to search your heart.
Thank you for this opportunity to gather and participate in an historic event that has literally taken place every Sunday evening since that first Sunday evening after you rose from the grave. Father, while we are here in the room and gather this evening, there are those who cannot be here. They are sick, they are at home, they are infirmed. Pray for Grandma Lynn in North Dakota, who is home and sick and not well. It's a difficult time to be not feeling well when everyone else seems to be going in so many different directions. And I pray that this evening she would be encouraged to know that there's a group of folks in Alexandria who feel her pain, that know uh, where she is and are praying for her. Maybe she'd be encouraged by that this evening. Pray for Dr. Oliver, who is struggling. I pray that you would continue to help her and encourage her, that she would know that while she has been gone for many, many months from our fellowship, that she is not gone from our prayers. We pray for those in our midst that they are experiencing first Christmas alone without a loved one. Pray that they would be encouraged that this service this evening would have special meaning for them. They realize this group of men gathered having lost their best friend, their purpose for living, that you gave them purpose in your resurrection. May we find that purpose this evening. Most of all, Father, I pray for that person who is here or listening that does not know you as their Savior. To them, this is interesting. Puzzling. That people would gather on a Sunday evening around the table for a little speck of bread hardly big enough for a bird and a little cup of juice that to them serves no purpose, but to us as a reminder of what you did on Calvary's cross. I pray that we would be reminded and remanded and live our life with purpose, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. This is not an unusual event, Sunday evening service. It was that first day Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of John in chapter 20, then the same day, same day that Jesus rose, that morning they were at the tomb, they found the tomb empty. They've spread word, word had traveled fast. What are we going to do? They had no idea. And so they gathered together. The church is, they gathered together. First the same day, at evening, being the first day of the week, Sunday, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Verse 24 is a very sad verse. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. It's a sad reality of 2024. That as you look around the room this evening, there will be some that will not be here next year. And I'm not talking about those who uh, will go off to their eternal reward. I'm not talking about those. And I'm not speaking of our military folks or folks that might be transferred away from the area due to a job or military assignment. I'm speaking of those who will retain their address here in Northern Virginia Maryland, D.C. suburbs, but they will darken the doors of church no more. They will become discouraged. They'll think, what is the use? Why should I come? Why should I try? And maybe it'll be because of a loss in their life. Maybe it'll be because of a hurt. Maybe because of a physical ailment. Maybe because someone in the church didn't speak to them when they thought they should have. And they'll get miffed. And they'll walk away from the things of the Lord. Thomas was hurt. And so he skipped church. He skipped the first service. He took role and his name was not there. He was not there. But they went out and found him. The other disciples therefore said unto him, Verse 24, Thomas, one of the twelve, called Dismas, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hand the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Possibly he went into such detail because they said yesterday, last evening, Sunday night, he showed us the prints. And Thomas, even then, that's not going to be enough for me. Not only do I have to see them, but I have to be able to touch them. After eight days again, his disciples were within, Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing." And that belief will change your life, and it changed Thomas's life. As he said, unto him, my Lord and my God. I want to read for you the passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. A passage that we normally read when we observe the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> Verse 23 of chapter 11 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord to death till he come. 
Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. In verse 28, as we admonished you to do as we began the service, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And I hope you have judged yourself. The Apostle Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians, talked about an event that took place in the book of Matthew. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 26 documents that event just prior to Christ going to the cross. And one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me that I and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And by that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now the feast of unleavened bread... Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, Master, saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now the even was come. He sat down with the twelve. And they did eat. He said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. They were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? That's a good question. I don't know how you began your prayer as you look to the Lord before the Lord's Supper. My prayer is typically something... Uh, uh, like, uh, Lord, I'm a dirty, rotten wretch of a sinner. And you may sit there and say, and you're the preacher, and we come to your church. Uh, listen, if you don't understand that you're a dirty, rotten, vile sinner, and you can't go to the solution. And the sooner you recognize that you need the Lord's help, the better off you're going to be. Son of man, verse 24, goeth as it were written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of man is betrayed. It has been good for that man if he had not been born. Speaking of Judas. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He saith unto him, Thou hast said. Just as next year, this same time, there will be someone who is a believer that knows Christ, that gets jilted, tilted, and is no more, wanders away from the fellowship. There's going to be someone who does not know Christ as their Savior, who just gives it up. Now, I, don't, I can't see the heart I don't know. Typically, they'll say, Pastor, do you, do you think I'm saved? And I, you, you, you've got to answer that question. I can't answer that question for you. But Judas knew. 
Every Judas knows. We try to disguise that. But you know. You know if you're here this evening and you're just going through the motions. You know if you're here this evening and you are not a believer. You know that. And God knows. And fooling the preacher is nothing compared to fooling yourself into believing that there is no consequences for rejecting Jesus Christ, rejecting the Messiah. And so as Paul referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he referenced this event that happened that is documented in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. And, they were, and as they were eating the first service, the first Lord's Supper, where was that? Sunday evening service. Pastor, why don't you ever observe the Lord's Supper on Sunday morning? Well, we could. But it was a Sunday evening service where the dedicated disciples had gathered because they understood the importance of what had just transpired on the cross. Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave them thanks and gave it unto them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament. This is my blood of the New Testament. This is my blood of the New Testament. Jewish believers are offended by that. Jewish, I shouldn't say Jewish believers, Jewish followers of Judaism are offended by that. Because to say there is a New Testament implies that there is an Old Testament. They don't believe there is a New Testament. And they don't believe that, that the Old Testament is the Old Testament. They'd rather call it the Jewish Scriptures. Ancient Jewish Scriptures. But anything but call it the Old Testament. Because again, that implies that there is a New Testament. That there is a New Covenant. That there is a Savior. That the Messiah has come. But the Messiah has come. What is his name? His name is Jesus Christ. Gentlemen, if you stand. Father, thank you for this opportunity to remember, to reflect. To go back on that first Sunday evening and realize that tonight, December 24th, 2023, that we are gathering in the evening, as believers have gathered in the evening for 2,000 years to celebrate and remember the life, death, resurrection, and salvation that is brought to us by you, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Just One, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the bread symbolizing your broken body on Calvary's tree. We try to imagine this evening the grief and the pain and the suffering that you endured, the beating, the pain, the humiliation, not because of anything that you have done, but because of every wrong that I have done.
Thank you for paying that price. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife being great with child. And so it was. That while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And this evening, that's all we're asking you to do. To see what is going on, to consider the events, to ponder them in your heart. What is transpiring? What has transpired? What is the meaning of it? What is the purpose of it? What is God's purpose for me? Gentlemen, you may be seated. This is my child. My firstborn son. God in the flesh. Is going to live a perfect life. 
and die a cruel death on Calvary's cross. I'm going to watch him suffer in shame and humiliation. This perfect child for my sin. The sins of Joseph and Herod and Pilate and Hitler. And to me. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Gentlemen, if you'd stand. Father, we thank you for the cup, the juice, which represents your blood. Not fermented wine. Fermentation is a sign of corruption, of sin. There is no corruption, no sin in your body. In your blood. We would never be so callous or foolish as to interject something into this service that was a symbol of corruption, blasphemous. And Father, I understand many churches do that blasphemy to put something that represents corruption to represent the sinless blood of Jesus Christ. Tonight we do not do that. And understand tonight the foolishness of those who do. Tonight we understood, we understand that you paid the price with your blood. Tonight we stop. And we look in the cup and we behold that we are sinners in need of a solution. And we thank you for being our Savior. And we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. 
when his Mary, his mother Mary, was a spouse to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted as God with us. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. They knew. They absolutely knew where Jesus was going to be born. They cited the prophecy. It's not enough to be able to cite the prophecy. You must accept the Savior. Art thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah? Art not, thou, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor. And shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. Why? Because Herod was convinced by what we put the wise men at the manger scene, but the wise men are here about two years later. Herod didn't say, Go find the infant. He said, Go find the young child, because they'd been following the stars for about two years. And several times in chapter 2, chapter 2 mentions that it was a young child in a house. Verse 9 says, And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, not the manger, they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. 
And Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted. They are not. You can gather with me this evening and even now plot in your heart when the service is over and the new year dawns upon itself that you're going to dismiss yourself from the fellowship of believers. No doubt there are some teenagers in the room be seated. Say, I'm here because my parents make me come. But when I'm in a position to make the decision, I will not be here. Maybe it is hurt that you have not even realized yet. You are not the first person to hurt. You will not be the last. Herod killed all the children, two years of age and under. Pharaoh killed all the male children. If you've ever experienced the death of a child, by accidental means, you know how hard and how hurtful and how horrible that is. But to lose a child because a God-hating man in authority has ripped him from your arms and butchered him. I'm just saying, there are some folks who have really been hurt, but have still followed the Lord. I want to challenge you tonight to be a Christ follower. I want to challenge you this evening to not make his death burial and resurrection of none effect by walking away from the truth of the gospel. That you would not plunge the next generation of your family into darkness. But every one of you must make that decision. Soon, Mrs. Bishop and I will travel to honor our parents. We'll see them and spend a few days with them. And my dad will take great courage that his children are in church. That his children are taking their children to church. And that the great-grandchildren will know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But even as I say that, there are those in my family who have chosen that they will not follow the Lord. And that family tree will be scarred because a mom and dad decided that they are not going to follow Jesus Christ. And it started when they were a teenager and they sat in church 
on the Lord's Supper. And they said, This means nothing to me. And the first opportunity I get, I will be gone. It's called free will, and you can absolutely do that. But you cannot stop the repercussions. Say, preacher, I prayed the prayer. I know Jesus Christ. So you say. So you say. But your children will not know Jesus Christ because you'll never take them to church. And they'll never know Jesus Christ because you'll never let grandma and grandpa have an opportunity to tell them about Christ. They'll never go to Sunday school. They'll never go to vacation Bible school. They'll never sit down with grandma and grandpa. And you'll do your best to keep them from grandma. You'll, you'll, you'll even threaten grandma and grandpa. And you'll say, Mom, Dad, You will never see this child again if you don't stop trying to push onto them that religious stuff. Shame on you. It's one thing if you have chosen to walk in darkness, but to insist and ensure that your children walk in darkness, burn in the devil's hell. I think there will be more pity in hell for a Herod, for a Pharaoh than it will be for you. It's interesting. 1 Corinthians 11 begins with, Be ye followers of me, as I also am of Christ. Verse 23 of that chapter again says, For I, Paul, have received of the Lord Jesus Christ that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Tonight we have dimmed the lights to try to take you back to a time when the disciples had lost their best friend, their reason for living, their purpose for ministry. They were having difficulty seeing the way ahead, and they found that light and that direction in church with fellow believers. They launched out from that night and went and found those that had absented themselves, Thomas, from the service. And encourage them to get back to the Lord. And I'm thankful Thomas did. He's one of my favorite Bible characters. But tonight, as we finish out 2023 and usher in 2024, 
I want to give you the admonishment that the Apostle Paul gave to those at Corinth. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Your pastor is not perfect, not by any stretch of the imagination. The deacons are very good men, but they are not men of perfection. And we understand that. That We will disappoint you, and we will let you down, and we will do things that will just make you shake your head. We, we covet your prayers for us on our behalf. And I ask that in 2024 that you would serve the Lord, that you would serve Him in spirit and in truth, that you would desire when you leave the room tonight to go out and find someone who is not here and say, I've seen the Lord. I have a vision for 2024. I want to see God do great things. Will you join me? On Saturday morning, going soul winning. Will you join me on Tuesday night to take the gospel? Will you join me in trying to reach my family? Will you join me at the altar in praying for others? Will you pledge with me tonight that in 2024 we will do our best to serve the one who died for us, our Savior? Not serve the preacher, not serve the deacons. Not even do it for mom and dad. But would you do it for the Savior, the one who died for you, the one who was buried for you, the one who rose again for you, the one who is seated on the right hand of the Father, ready to make intercession for you, the one who loves you beyond life itself. His name? Jesus Christ. Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, they sung a hymn and they departed. This past year, we said goodbye to Gwen. Gwen loved Christmas. Gwen loved the way in a manger. We're going to stop tonight, this Christmas Eve, and we're going to swing away in the manger, and we'll be dismissed. We thank you for coming into, into Bethlehem for, our, for us with the purpose of dying on Calvary's cross. We have a hard time grasping that truth and reconciling your birth with your death. But it seems fitting tonight that we've come around your table and recognize tonight that the reason you came was to die. The reason you came to die was because we had a sin problem. And you knew that you were the only solution, the only Savior, the only one. And we thank you for being our Savior. We thank you for that salvation. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.